You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Auto D show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks, broadcasting from high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, and this evening, my guest is longtime man about town, multi-instrumentalist, actor, songwriter, musician, uh, all-around cool guy. His name is Johnny Zapp, and he will be with me right after this first cut from the Fervor Records catalog called Lost and Gone by the Pistoleros here on the Otto D Show. Check it out. And that was Lost and Gone by the Pistoleros here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you in part by my good friends at Fervor Records and also by TheRecordingArtist.com, where every Wednesday evening I record bands live online while you watch. To learn more, visit TheRecordingArtist.com and be sure to check out uh, my companion TV show on Amazon Prime called The Recording Artist. It's kind of cool. But talk about cool. Uh, let's check out my guest this evening, Johnny Zapp. Welcome to the show, Johnny. Good evening. Thanks for having me, Otto. How are you doing? Pretty well. Pretty well. Just uh, had a delicious meal down the street. and You came all the way from for Tucson, yes. but you came up like early in the morning and spent the day. I did. What were you doing? I did. It was... Got some gigs coming up, so I had to have my master luthier, Bernie, take a look at some guitars that, uh, you know, cool. going through the selection process of which to take to the gigs and... Need a little tune-up, so to speak, on a few of them. So, mm-hmm. did that. Uh, got an oil change in the car, and here we are. Buy any more gear? 
<laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. That's not my bag. Cool. Hey, listen, you already mentioned the gig, so let's yeah. just start right there. What gig? You say you get your guitars ready for a gig? Yeah, so uh, next month there's a couple of them, actually. Uh, I'm playing Tucson Hotel Congress September 16th. That's cool. Followed by the Yucca Tap Room the next night here in Tempe uh, with my boys, uh, my rhythm section of the Pistoleros, and my friend, uh, longtime collaborator, Matt Lubin. We just uh, we wanted to go, you know, Bang the town over the head with some rock and roll, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go do it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is anybody opening for you at Hotel Congress? Or we're doing a triple bill. Okay. So there's myself, uh, uh, a new band called Paisley Prine out of Tucson, and a new band called Classless Chaps as well. And Classless Chaps is made up of. It's fronted by a guy named Lauren Dirks, who used to have a popular band in the '90s called Gila Bend. So. Uh, it's going to be, uh, we can't tell you who's playing in what order because we want you to show up when the doors open and just and enjoy the stay whole the show, night. Right? Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Well, since we're on that, uh, tell me the dates of the, the shows and the times. Again, so it's, it's uh, September 16th is Tucson, Hotel Congress. We're playing in the Rock Club okay. inside, uh, which is going to be great because there's a lot of history there uh, with my band as well as... Uh, uh, a buddy of mine, Daniel Henserling, who used to be uh, part of the Gin Blossoms, then he had the Gas Giants. He's coming out from Santa Fe to play with us as well. So, uh, you know, the club is run by Dave Slutes from the Sidewinders. So there's a lot of history and camaraderie there. Cool. So we're going to have a big rock and roll party there. Then we're going to pack it all up and we're going to go to Yucca Tap Room, which is where all of us cut our teeth back mm-hmm. in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's going to be kind of a homecoming. It's going to be pretty cool. So. Yeah, I would imagine you're going to have a pretty decent audience. There's a big buzz generating yeah. already. So, yeah, there's a lot of interest. Well, speaking of the big buzz, you're you're doing these shows because you have a new record. I do have a new record, yes. Am I allowed to say the title? You are allowed to say the title. This record is called More Rock and Roll, Less Assholes. It's a great title. That is my title, and it's because it's what we all need in our lives right now. <laughs> That's right. So, again... Here's the record, came out in May, and now we're going to go out and we're going to deliver the goods here in September. That's so. fantastic. And so uh, these are, are these, you considering these shows like record release shows, or is it too late you know, for that? You could call it that, but here's the thing. I, I tend to do things differently mm-hmm. in that if I watch, and, and I, I, I do not mean to slight any other bands, but if I watch everybody go left, I go right. And the reason I do that is because when everybody's going left and one dude goes right, who are you going to look at? That's right. Right? So my thought process was let's drop the record in May. Let everybody sit with it for a while. Let's see if there's a buzz behind it. Mm-hmm. We get the shows up. And then when you show up to the gig, you're going to be saying, I wonder if he's going to play this song. I wonder if he's going to play that song. Mm-hmm. And if I play something from the record, you're going to know it already. Mm-hmm. It might already be your favorite song. You're going to be wanting it. Because let's look at... If the Foo Fighters puts out a record, do they do they put it out on, okay, our first gig is September 16th, and we're putting our record out that night. No, you've already had the record, mm-hmm. and you've already listened to the record, and you go to that gig waiting for that record, yeah. right? So, so that's, that's, so it's, it's, it, they're the first gig since the records come out. Mm-hmm. Put that, put okay. it that way. So. Cool. You excited about it? Oh, super excited. We've been rehearsing, and uh, we're loud. 
<laughs> it's rock and roll. It's rock and roll. Well, that's pretty cool. Now you're you're in Tucson. Most of the guys in the band are up here. They're correct? all here. Okay. So so the band, the lineup is uh, Scott Andrews on bass and Mark Riggs on drums uh, from Pistoleros. So those are those are the Pistoleros cats and uh, Matt Lubin, who used to be in a band called Dead City Love and another band called Johnny Ace. They did some things back in the day. They were they were pretty popular around town. He's my second guitar and vocal. So he and I have always had this simpatica relationship where we're both lead singers in the band. So mm -hmm. the marquee says Johnny's out, but he might be singing. It's kind of like Stranglehold from Ted Nugent. Derek St. Holmes sang that, mm -hmm. but it was Ted Nugent's name on the kick drum, right? So right. he and I trade off lead vocals and lead guitars and uh, kind of lead the band th through the whole set. So Cool. Uh, any music video plans for any of the songs? Not as of yet. Okay. Um, I only ask that because uh, it's a very you know, obvious segue to how you and I met years ago, which was on a music video set. Yes, indeed. For a client of mine I was doing a record with who was a German rock star who had a lot of success there, had moved to Uruguay and came to Arizona to make a record and then had so much fun he wanted to come back and do a music video. That's right. And so uh, I believe the company that produced the video contacted you because of your motorcycle. They and, did. And he asked me, he goes, hey, I have a scene in a bar where we're going to have a, f a fight, you know, and do you want to be in the band? Because <laughs> I need a band by me. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. He couldn't keep his band in the States that long. He couldn't afford to keep them That's here right, or something. Yeah, it was yeah. cheaper to send them home yeah. and have you sit in, yeah, so if I remember just, right. Yeah, and I lined up a drummer, and we just sat yeah. there for the movies, you know, for the little shoot at the Rhythm Room, actually. Exactly. Where we shot that. So that's when we first met, was on that project. They had, they had found me. They were looking for, so in Germany, they're huge fans of the film Easy Rider from 1969, mm -hmm. and it was the 40th year anniversary of that film. And Matt, Matt Rohr, the mm -hmm. German artist, was big into it. They were trying to cast somebody who had a period-correct motorcycle from the 60s mm -hmm. who could ride it and could portray the part of Peter Fonda. And every time, and the woman, I'll never forget, uh, I can't remember her name, but the, the, the woman casting agent found me mm -hmm. and told me that every time we find somebody with a period-correct motorcycle, they're a period-correct person. <laughs> who is 75 years old and you know they found me i think i was 31 32 years old at the time and slender and full head of hair and full set of teeth and this old motorcycle so they had me they they were like you're hired and they paid me a ridiculous amount of money to ride my motorcycle around the state of arizona <laughs> for three days that's pretty cool in game. leather pants so <laughs> yeah, there you go. that's why you got the big bucks that's pretty wild yeah yeah, so Matt, I, you know, I haven't paid attention. He's probably put more records out. It's been years and years and years. But that was a lot of fun. That was a fun, fun project. It was great. Now, you, you, uh, when did you start playing in bands? Was it in when you were in Arizona? Because you weren't no. born here. No, I'm from Huntington Beach, California. Um, I grew up... My, my father was the youngest of seven, and they were musicians. Not, not necessarily by trade. One of them had cut some records, but... They were first-generation Italian-Americans, so their parents were all immigrants, and, and, and they would play guitars and mandolins and traditional Italian music. So every Sunday, there was pasta. Either at, It was pasta Sunday at my grandmother's or at our house. And there'd be this semicircle. Like, you've seen uh, Elvis, 68 Comeback Special. Mm -hmm. It was just like that. They're all sitting on these armless chairs. The only difference was my dad and his four brothers were drinking scotch and smoking cigarettes. Mm -hmm knocking off tunes and i'd be four years old and they'd they'd 
pull me in and hand me a mandolin because I was too little for the guitar. Before you know it, I was playing Mario Alonzo tunes and stuff like that <laughs> on the mandolin. Then I grew into the guitar, so I would swap with my father, and I'd play the guitar while he played mandolin, and we'd, tra- we'd trade off. So then I guess I must have been, I don't know, 11 or 12. I was really a lot younger than my siblings, and I started getting into their record collections. And I go, oh, my God, there's a mandolin on this Rod Stewart album. There's a mandolin in this Led Zeppelin song. There's a mandolin on this Heart album. So I started thinking, well, that kind of gives it a little credibility. <laughs> you know, so it's not like your dad's you know, traditional music. There's rock and roll here using these things. So I started getting into rock and roll. And then when I was 12 years old, I mean, the only band I really had in California, I was 12 years old, and we were going to be Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. So you know, I grabbed some buddies, and I'm like, you're cute, so the girls are going to like you, so you're going to sing. <laughs> You're buff for a twelve-year-old. You're kind of ripped, so you're going to be the drummer. And and this is I'm not making That's this up. This funny. is this is and we 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 I think my drummer friend I still talk to Art, and he uh, he still busts my balls about him, me being responsible for his first encounter with the police when we were twelve, because we were too loud at his house and the cops came when we were twelve. So That's funny. yeah, so that was it. And then when I moved here is when it really started really started taking off for me mm-hmm. late teens and what year were you, where did you come to the valley i landed in tempe when i was 19 in 1996 and right when things were about to blow up things things had blown up and things were still on fire there was still shrapnel everywhere when i got here and it was ridiculous in the best possible way mm-hmm. i mean i i got a job right away at a carpet shop on Apache and uh, Apache and Rural in Tempe, mm-hmm. a place called Tolliver's Carpet. And I walk in there, and there's these, you know, I'm meeting everybody, and there was these two guys there. One looked like Elvis Costello, and the other guy looked like uh, Benjamin Orr from The Cars. I'm like, well, these guys got to be musicians. Well, sure as shit, it was Daniel Hengeling and Russell Sepulveda who had a band called Grievous Angels. Daniel had left a band called the Gin Blossoms that some of you may know of and he went they went and did their thing and Dan and Russ had the Grievous Angels and you know we kind of did this whole you're a musician I'm a musician oh cool we should hang out so I just started tagging along with them two mm-hmm. gigs and whether I was shooting pictures with them or playing with some of them in, in different projects or whatever just 19 years old and these guys were a few years older than me but I was guilty by association and out there and doing it you know cool were you already writing songs when you were 19? No, no, no. I didn't write my first song until late 20s. And it was because I had this fear of, well, that sounds too much like this one. And that sounds too much like that. And, you know, years later, I realized that, A, there's only 12 notes on the musical scale. And there's only so many things you can do with them. So everybody borrows, but great people steal. It's kind of what I started thinking. And I started thinking you can... You can take a great song and just write your new song around it and make it your own. And if you listen to some of my music and you go, wow, that's really cool, you wouldn't know it. And I could sit here and say, well, that song was this song. And then you couldn't unhear it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But. That's pretty cool. Well, so you went through, what took you to Tucson? I'm trying to get, remember how you got back down there. That was happening. Because your life is kind of up here. Still, yeah. you come up a lot. I was in, I was in, Tempe area for 20 years right. and then uh, my wife got a fantastic job opportunity with a company called Mr. Car Wash in Tucson they're headquartered in Tucson 
And we kind of, you know, vacillated on the idea. Should we go? We don't know anything about Tucson. There's this huge rivalry between Phoenix and Tucson. And we're like, Mm -hmm. ah, Tucson, you know. And uh, we spent a day out there and said, well, let's check it out. So she took the job opportunity. We said, if worse comes to worse, we'll just come home. We ended up falling in love with where we're at, the culture, the the diversity, the area that we live. And Mm -hmm. that's home now. So, but yeah, I still have a lot of business up here, but it's, you know, it's 100 miles. So. It's a straight shot. Yeah, exactly. So it's not too difficult. Um, in fact, you live at the base of the mountain. We're right at the bottom of Mount Lemmon. So we get, we can sip our coffee and watch the bobcats in our yard. Or it, sometimes a year, we can sit out there while it's snowing, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, talking about your house and this new record, I believe you cut this record at your house. I did. And you play just about every instrument on the record. I play guitars, bass, and drums on every song on the album and I would have a friend here and there do make me some vocals or a lead guitar here and there Mm -hmm. but I play guitar bass and drums on everything right there in the house yeah did you have the same process for every song was it always drums to a click track first kind of a thing or what was what was your process it was so if I can back up um, you know I'd done a lot of music in the past written songs for film and TV that's kind of if we're backing up way back yeah um when I was playing out in Tempe a lot with these guys, you know, whoever it may be, or putting bands together for, you know, events or fundraisers and whatnot, you go out and you have a blast. And then there came a point where I just said, you know, I need to find a way to really make a living out of this because, you know, it's not, you know, you'd go and I play long longs with somebody and I get a plate of wings and fries and a pitcher of Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I go, this ain't the life, right? So, um, so I, I made a studio in my home, which I was living in Chandler at the time, and I started writing and recording. Actually, I, I, I did a lot of research, so I let me back up. I went and I read all this stuff about music publishing and licensing and mm. found out at the time there was a ton of money in licensing music for film and TV. So within three months of researching that, I had a deal with Getty Images Music Department, and I was writing rock music for Getty Images. And I made my bones doing that, you know, and the money started coming in, and it was just you know, chump change at first. And so you look at it like found money mm-hmm. and you go, okay, cool. So you just use it to pay off debts and whatnot. And every year it's a little bit more, a little bit more. And I did a lot of cool TV shows with my original musics that I was doing right there in the house with a Fostex four track machine wow. that I just really learned my friend, Matt and I, who's in my band, we learned how to really master this thing and do some good stuff. And we made some good money. Um, so we did that in the house then uh, I started missing playing live, so I started doing the higher gun thing again, you know, where I could be playing with a number of bands, whether usually bass, because what happens with that is you'll have, say you've got a band with two guitar players, right? And one guitar player can't make the gig. He's, you know, got a family thing or something. You can still do the gig. Your bass player is jammed up on a DUI. You either cancel the gig or you hire a sub, right? Enter Johnny's app. So I was getting a lot of work as a bass player, and then... I'm not the guy that, well, you know, you've seen me do, you've seen me do some, you saw me play at the Musicians Museum for it. Mm -hmm. I don't take charts on stage. So if I'm playing with five bands, I commit that stuff to memory, which Mm -hmm. means I'm busting my ass and my brain is constantly going. So there's no room to write, okay? Mm -hmm. So then we have pandemic and all of a sudden all these gigs with all these bands that I'm helping out are gone. Yeah. And then the riffs just start popping into my brain. And I hadn't written anything in a couple of years. 
just started coming, just started coming one after another. And I, if I'm in the shower and I hear something, okay, go get dressed. And I go sing it into the cell phone. And then, okay, cool. Oh my God, there's another one. There's another one, another one, another one. So they just started coming. So then, yes, just like you said, I'd go and I'd set up my drum kit. I'd mic it all up mm-hmm. and then play to a click track and then start layering. And then before you know it, I've got a couple dozen songs minus mm-hmm. lyrics. Right. And I'm like, wow, I got to start f- fleshing these out. You so know? you'd write these bits and record them when they were essentially riffs and chord changes, and you would just commit to structures and then worry about the melodies and lyrics later. Exactly. Lyrics, lyrics are always last for me. I struggle with that. And there's often times where I lean on somebody like my friend Matt or, or my guys in Nashville from Them Vibes. You know, it's like I'm a music first kind of guy. And then I go, mm-hmm. shit, you need lyrics now. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I've always been critical of that. Right. So it's tough for me. Well, back to the drums. Uh, you said you'd set up your drum kit, mic mm-hmm. it up and go. But you don't just have a drum kit. You have like a bunch of different drums. Yes. Because, I mean, I've seen pictures and posts, I and mean, you have a lot yes. of equipment to perform on. Well, so here's the thing about that. I used to have, when I had a studio here in Chandler, I had four drum kits, dr- drum kits set up and mic'd up and ready to go at a moment's notice, to where if you sit down and you go, okay, this ain't the right kit, you just walk over to the other one. <laughs> so when I got married, my wife and I didn't live together until right before we got married, and I sold my place, we moved in together, all the stuff went in the closets. And I'm like, well... I could only have one drum set set up now, so I started eventually getting rid of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, just got my permits, and I'm going to be building a commercial studio here pretty soon. So in Tucson, so I'm reacquiring things. Mm-hmm. So yes, I am back to having four drum sets again, and I'm a firm believer in miking drum sets with real microphones and having a real human being play them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. So if you listen to my music and you listen to my record, you know, if you're really critical of it, you might hear a little swing, you know, a little, maybe he rushes and drags here a little bit. That's okay. And that's what I want because that's kind of, in my opinion, what's missing from music today. There's no quantizing here. So if I would go to track drums on a song for the record, say the song's three and a half minutes long, I get three minutes in and I blew it. I start over at zero until mm-hmm. I can make it a whole performance from top to bottom and then start building on it from there. Mm-hmm. So, Well, we, maybe we should uh, play a cut from the record. Sure. Since we're talking about it. So uh, the first cut off of the record, Don't ah, Be Running yes. From Me. Don't Be Running From Me. Uh, tell me about that song. So here's a, here's a good example of, so I, I laid this all down and I had this concept of what I wanted to do kind of along with the lyrics I'm sorry the, the album title More Rock and Roll Less Assholes I'm like you know in the last couple of years it's become more evident that like people are just fighting and arguing and just I can't be your friend because you voted for this person and, and you're an asshole because you believe in this and that and the other thing and I'm like wow man like we all want the same thing we all just want to live a good life and be happy you know why can't we just love each other and just i don't care who you voted for you're my brother man mm-hmm. let's go rock out right so that was i had written a bunch of lyrics i took a trip to albuquerque to see a friend and uh which we missed each other and uh, we she and i kind of needed to mend fences and um we didn't get to connect but i sat in my hotel room and i wrote a bunch of lyrics but i wasn't really happy with them i didn't i'm like these are good mm-hmm. but i don't know I think they could be better. 
So I call my friends in Nashville, uh, Alex Haddad and Larry Florman, uh, who have this amazing band called Them Vibes. And I'm like, listen, I got this track. It's the last song I'm doing for a record. I want to see what you can do with it. And he says, okay, cool. What do you got lyrically? So I gave him my lyrics and my idea. And I think he used one or two of my lines. <laughs> and But he asked me, we had this conversation about what I wanted with it. And he came up with this. And the way I work is if you write the lyrics, you got to sing it. So Alex Dodd from Them Vibes sang it. Larry Florman sang background vocals and played some tambourine, and, and they finished it, and, and here it is. Oh, very, very by cool. the way, Alex played lead guitar on it too. So Awesome. So let's check it out. This is Don't Be Running From Me from Johnny Zapp here on the Auto D Show. Check it out.
listening to Auto D coming at you live. And that was Don't Be Running From Me by Johnny Zapp here on the Auto D Show. Very, very cool. Very stonesy. I get that a lot. You know? uh, and I will take it. Yeah, a piece of that sounds a little to me like Jumpin' Jack Flash during when not singing, you know, like the guitar uh, breakdown section. Great solo, by the way, on the guitar Thank you. part. That was That's nice. Alex, yeah, yeah. Did a good job. 1972, 335 Gibson, he was yeah. playing on that. Yeah. Sounds cool. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of chaos and recklessness. And so that's, it's, I get what you're saying when you say you want to try and capture that. It's like, not just to make it sound like you can play well, to make it sound like somebody played it. You know? You got to have, so here's how I look at it. It's rock and roll, right? Yeah. So I want my band and my records to be like, oh my God, the wheels are going to come off? <laughs> exactly. Are they? But they don't. Right. In the most glorious way. You want yeah. it to feel like they could come off at any time, but it's yeah. just rock and roll. Yeah, it, ha- it has to be a bit chaotic. It has yes. to be a bit reckless. Uh, you know, on some lo- Almost like they're fighting each other to get where they're going. Like running, exactly. elbowing each other, racing to the finish line. You exactly. Know? But um, And I think... You know, growing up being a Beatle fan, I think that was one of the differences between John and Paul. When Paul wasn't there, John would just sing the wrong background vocals and he'd play the wrong chords on the double track and wouldn't care, you know. And yeah. It's because it's just rock and roll. Um, and some of that reckless and chaotic stuff is uh, is exciting. Like the tune, um, everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Do you remember yes. that track? Great song. I mean, listen to that once. Just you haven't heard it in years. Listen to that with headphones on, and you're, it's a white album. It's yes. like it takes your breath away. You feel energetic, like oh my god, you just feel like you ran around the block just hearing the record. The frantic, yeah, you know, the chaos. That's well, it's captured it, in it, you know. With with my music too, it's it's you can't do a copy and paste. So, for example, when, yeah. when we talked, when I talked to these guys on the phone, I said, "Yeah, I want you to put some tambourine in here." I said, but you can't copy and paste it because I played live drums. Right. So the way I played that first chorus might not be the same I played the second chorus. Right. So you've got to stand there for four minutes and swing that tambourine, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's going to be different every time. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Thank that's you. Very cool. It's a nice track. How's the uh, feedback been so far for the record? You know, I'm getting a lot of unsolicited feedback, which is really cool when people email you or put on your Facebook page, I got the record of my favorite song is such and such, you know, and it's like, wow, that's really cool to hear. And I'm getting a lot of... I'll get stuff, I'll get surprises. I'll say, wow, I never expected anybody to comment on that song. Or, you know, it's just, it's really positive. It's nice. I tell you right now, in one month, I've sold mail order more CDs than I ever sold downloads. It's been, it's, wow. I'm very humbled by the response. Cool. It's amazing. Why did you make the hidden track cut number like 78? I think it is. 76. 76. Well, I, because. I went hunting for it again today. It's like, how far did that? And did you find it? Yeah, and, and, yeah, and listen to it again. Tell me you recognize the, you, you know who it is originally of. Oh, the original cut of the song? Yes. Oh, gosh, I don't. I'm going to have to take your rock and roll card away. All right. That's a cover go. of a Lou Reed song. Is it? Okay. It is. So, um, the record, I had everything I had, I had it all done. Right. But there's two guys that are very near and dear to me, Lauren Dirks and Bruce Halper from Sidewinders. He's from Sidewinders. He's an Arizona Blues Hall of Famer. These guys right. are my buddies, and I hadn't had them on the record yet. And I, I was done, but I'm like, I got, I don't have any. I got to finish something quick, and I want to include them. The way Lauren plays guitar, I'm like, I know the song that would be great for Lauren. And Bruce has, he's a drummer, but he's also a singer, and he has this amazing voice. We're gonna do Coney Island Baby from Lou Reed, and. I cut it, and because it's a cover song, I buried it on the album, and it's not listed because it's a cover song, you know, so just to avoid any kind of, you know, whatever. So, um, but 
it's 76 because that's when the song the original version came out in the united states and because that's the year of my birth and rather than putting an extra 20 minutes on the last song on my album which is totally annoying let's just index it at 76 so that when you pop your cd and you go 76 songs you could jump right to it if you want or you don't have to Mm-hmm. But you, if you if you look, you'll see that there's something else there, and you'll hunt for it. Well, the first time I played the record, you know, I spun the record through, and I didn't shut the CD off because I was doing stuff around the studio. I just let it play and didn't realize it wasn't over. And all of a sudden, this song comes on, you know, right? And I'm like, what's what's happening? Six <laughs> minutes later, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh wow, okay. So clever. here's here's an interesting side note about that track. So you mentioned I I, I have many drum sets. Well, I had acquired a new old one in that before I cut that song so that song it's it's track 76 the year it came out it's the year of my birth but every piece of gear used to record that album was made prior to 1976 we used entirely vintage guitars bass drums amps everything on it so that we could kind of capture the vibe of of the original version but maybe with a little bit more intensity cool very cool fun People are digging. People are finding it, and I'm well, getting the feedback on that too. And you so. mentioned that uh, a lot. You're getting a lot of attention, and your calendar is just like packed. It is. So yes. what's what's happening? Is the record drying up all this? Uh, I don't know if it's the you, record you're or calls oh, you know what I think it is. Gigs I honestly no, there hasn't been much of that uh, because I think people are getting word that I'm turning everybody down. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> so Tucson has a huge folk Americana singer songwriter scene. And that's kind of what is responsible for why we're talking now. And it's, it's, I like that stuff. I do. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Les Paul and a Marshall guy. And, you know, the singer-songwriter thing, it's cool. It has its place. You know, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of those people. But I had to stop doing that because I'm a rock and roll heart. That's where my heart is. That's what I got to do. So I think what it is is th- there's, there's really not a rock scene in Tucson anymore. And I didn't know anything about Tucson until I moved there. And from what I gather, there used to be... So what was happening here in Tempe in the 90s was happening in Tucson in the 90s, too. And I didn't know that until I started getting involved. And I believe the reason my calendar's packed now is because I went, Hey, look at me! Rock and roll, mother effers! And everybody's like, Oh my God, there's a rock and roll cat in town. And now people are calling me. People are calling me to to do interviews people are calling the newspaper arizona daily star uh interviewed me last week and then they came over to the house to take pictures of me working on the debut ep for the classless chaps and other bands are contacting me to do their records Mm -hmm. and because they're hearing what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and essentially what i'm doing is that's what i think is getting the feedback is this is when i was when we were at dinner i'm like i'm gonna hear what you have to say about this it goes back to the drums. I'm not reinventing the wheel, but I'm using real drums with one, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using nine microphones on a drum kit and a room mic, and I'm making a human being play them, and I'm not quantizing it, I'm not editing, I'm getting a good performance out of the drummer, whether it be myself or another drummer, and I know how to mix them properly. So what's happening is people are hearing this, and I'm like, oh my God, this sounds so different than what's going on right now. How'd you do this? And I'm like, you see these two hands? You see those drums? You see that whole closet full of microphones? That's how we make records here. Mm-hmm. So, It's kind of like back on the four-track tape instead of the hard disk recorder. 
so you can't edit just overdub you it makes you it it's made me a way better musician over the years yeah. and it's funny because it's because i'm not a computer i'm not an it guy i'm a musician right so i don't know how to it rather than take the time years ago I, I i decided okay maybe you should learn how to run this drum software stuff and i started fooling with it and i'm like you know what i could have already cut the real drums and i went and i did and i said screw it i never looked back right so yeah no i agree with you completely and I think that's the best part, too. That's what music is. It's a performance. You know, and when you make it, when you quantize it and make it all perfect, it be, to me, it kind of becomes invisible. It becomes the blueprint of the building as opposed to the building, which had some flaws yes. and modifications in the real world, you know? It's, it, it's supposed to make you move. It's, yeah. you, music is supposed to make you shake your ass. Yeah. And it's, it's got to have an energy. And, and if you're not moving, it's not... I I I gotta watch my words, but it's it's supposed to make you move, <laughs> right. and and that's what I want to do with my music or the bands that I produce. And when I produce a record for somebody, I want it to be a good interpretation of what they're going to get at a live gig. Mm-hmm. So if if hey if you screw up at, at bar forty eight and the and the song is only sixty four bars long, guess what? You're starting over, chump. Mm-hmm. You know, only time I punch in or do any kind of editing is for vocals or a, a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. You got to play everything else top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, let's talk about the studio because you mentioned having done this record at your house, but now mm-hmm. you're actually building a brand mm-hmm. new space. So, yeah, I did this record in a 12 by 12 spare bedroom in my house, uh, as you mentioned. And then I did a record for the debut record for a band called Paisley Prine in my house. And these four gentlemen come over and I told them, I said, hey, it's going to be drums today, bass tomorrow, but they all wanted to come over and be part of the process. So, you know, I've got a pool table and yeah, everybody's hanging out, but you have to have, there's only room for me and a drummer in the room at the time. So, uh, but we did it and you'd never know it was done in, just like my record. You couldn't tell it was, a, mm-hmm. you know, done in a spare bedroom. But um, due to myself needing the space and me wanting to take on more clients, yes, we've, my wife and I have decided to go ahead and take the leap and we're building a studio on top of my house, thousand square foot. And what we're trying to do I is love that. Just say that again. That sounds funny. Building a studio on top of yes, my house. Yes, yes. Well, okay, well then maybe I should I love that. So it's gonna be at the house, but like I have a single story house and we're adding a second level that will be the studio and with a separate entrance and everything. And we've we also just built a beautiful outdoor kitchen. So kind of what we're trying to do is develop a space that Hey, you come over at 9 a.m., we're going to work on your record, and then in the evening we're going to break bread and have a beautiful meal outdoors, and you could get in the hot tub or hang out in the pool or shoot pool in the house or whatever. And just, we just want to make a place that's cool mm-hmm. to, to, to spend your time working in and making a record. Mm-hmm. And at this time, when I have this my new studio built, which is starting next month, you'll be, I'll be able to track bands or rhythm section or whoever I want live in the room at the same time mm-hmm. instead of one guy at a time. Right. But due to the fact that I do performance takes, whether it's drums, bass, or guitars, when you listen to my record or Paisley Prine's record or the forthcoming cha- Classless Chaps record, you can't you can't tell that I pulled one guy in at a time because I made him play everything start to finish. So it's, mm-hmm. it has that live swing and feel to it. But I'll be able to do that in the moment in my new place. So. Mm-hmm. Pretty excited? Oh, God, yes. What are you looking at uh, being able to uh, get in there and work? I think it probably took me longer from conception to permit then it's going to take from groundbreaking to finish because mm-hmm. there's a i mean i even had the city tell me there's not a fire hydrant close enough and i literally opened my garage and i'm like is that one on the curb not close enough <laughs> and then that resets the clock with the city like it was a it was a struggle 
So I think once they break ground, it's it's it shouldn't take long. And uh, I know my wife will be happy because there won't be drums and amps in the kitchen when she comes home yeah. because I've been working all day, you know. Yeah. And I'll be happy because when she works from home, I can still make noise. So yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, you you have a separate general contractor who's handling everything for I you. Do. You're not yeah. acting as a general and bringing in the subs. No, I I did a rough crew drawing and I started meeting with an architect and then uh, I consulted a buddy of mine, uh, Gilby Clark, who's been helpful with. He built a studio in his place in L.A. 20 years ago, so he sent me videos and stuff and helped me figure out some of the design work. And you can't have that angle on the wall in the control room, Johnny. You need to do this and that. So I worked with him and my architect to kind of really hone it in, mm-hmm. and uh, now I've got the GC on it. So Cool. Well, as long as they keep things uh, in, you know, in sequence and on time, and the building, I don't know what the Tucson building inspectors are like, but in Phoenix, they're pretty good about being there two or three days after they're called to check yeah, out yours went up pretty quick yeah, yeah. And, our, and we uh we had our inspectors were always there within 24 hours of you know within 48 hours tops of being invited to you know inspect whatever the next phase was so That's um, awesome. yeah it went really well but that can hang you up if you aren't prepared sometimes yeah because they can take two weeks to get on the job when you're just sitting there waiting for them to just say yeah it looks good and that's i know can be aggravating yeah so hopefully you don't get stuck up in that what's the name of the place we're going to call it Studio 76, kind of okay. like Studio 54, but, you know. But 76. But 76. Because you were born in 76. Because I was born in 76, and, you know, it's just, what better year for rock and roll than 1976, right? So my wife and I were both born in 76, and some of the best records ever were put out that same year, so there's our studio. There you go. Now, you, you know, your last name, Zap, mm-hmm. that's, that's a great name. Uh, I mean, Zap's pretty dramatic, right? Uh, thank you. So uh, you said, wasn't that your original studio, Zap Studios? So my legal name is Zappy, as Z-A-P-P-I-A. But all my life, everybody's called me, Hey, Zap! Johnny Zap! And I went, well, that's kind of cool. That'd look kind of cool, uh, stencil on the back of my amplifiers. So there it is, right? So yeah, uh, my studio in Chandler was Zap City, okay. which was a song by the album The Cult, which is a huge influence for me. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's a cool name for my studio, Zap City. Yeah. So, but having a new studio needs a new name. So, cool. Studio you know, 76. That's it. And just north side of Tucson? Uh, we are the east side, northeast, northeast. side. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, you want to play another cut from the record? Yeah, let's do it. And uh, then maybe we can, uh, we'll have time, we can get into talking a little bit about uh, Vintage Guitar Magazine. Sure, and sure. What's happening there? Uh, you have, uh, is it dealer's choice or you asking yeah, man, me? Yeah, whatever you like. I, we got wheels, we got slow burn, pretty in pictures. Let's do okay. pretty in pictures. Let me okay. let me give you a quick one on that. Yeah. Um, we've got, so it's myself on all guitars, all bass, I'm sorry, all guitars, bass, drums, lead vocals. Uh, my boys from Them Vibes are doing the background vocals. And Sarah Tomek, former drummer from Steven Tyler's solo band, former drummer from Them Vibes, current drummer for Samantha Fish. She is on background vocals, and she does the callback vocal in the chorus, which you will hear. Cool. It's interesting. You remember all of this stuff, all these everyone's oh. bios and whatever. You know, these are my. I, I've been blessed to have these amazing people in my life that I can call friends, and I have this beautiful rolodex of talented people where I can call up and say, "I'd really like a female vocal on this." Sarah, you up? And she's like, "Yep, let's do it." Cool. You know, so here we go. Very cool. Pretty in pictures from Johnny Zapp here on the Auto D show. Check it out. Call 
twisted Your charade fully perfected You're the one of my dreams Fall apart at the seams Bleeding and cheating Cold and lonely Desperate and only Waiting and wanting Hopelessly falling That deal with the devil Got you on your knees Anxious And that was Pretty in Pictures from Johnny Zapp here on the Auto D Show. Another cut from the new record called More Rock and Roll, Less Assholes. That's it. Cool. Got it right. <laughs> <clears throat> awesome. So where can people get the record if they want to get it? So it's an exclusive release, johnnyzapp.com. Uh, I decided, you know, with these places like Spotify and Apple Music and all that, um, everybody gets paid but the artist. And I don't think that's cool. So, I mean, uh, you wouldn't go be a furniture maker and give your stuff away, right? So, why should intellectual property be any different, right? Mm -hmm. So, it's exclusive. It's a CD with a nice packaging with extensive liner notes and photos. But for those of you who don't have CD players, I got you covered. With every CD comes a digital download card. So, you're stuck with these pictures of me, but you've also got your digital covered too. So... Uh, yeah, johnnyzap.com. You going to press up any vinyl? 
we'll see how they i mean i'm almost out of cds they're moving so um i was kind of waiting to see what the demand was and after we do some of these shows there's there's a chance that could happen but you know with vinyl it's so expensive and you have to ask somebody hey i'm this guy with you know a cult following give me 25 dollars for a piece of vinyl i i I don't like that Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's kind of like when i do shows i'd rather there not be a cover just come to see me play right so i i don't know we'll wait and see what the demand is Mm-hmm. And then maybe a year down the road, maybe I'll put it out digitally. I know some of my back catalog is available on Apple iTunes. But uh, for this, you know, it's – and the response has been amazing. So Cool. You mentioned that you had a couple dozen songs going. So do you still have the next record kind of in the bag waiting? I do. And I'm kind of waiting for – I, I don't want to make room? any more. I don't want to make any more bedroom records. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? The studio. I mean, I could. I'm. Do, I. I wasn't going to, and then I decided. You know, I, talking with Lauren from Classless Chaps, let's get you something done, and then after that, I'm going to wait. Yeah. You know, till I can, till I can actually have some elbow room to make a record. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's going to be exciting then to be able to make that first record, your it next is. record in that it place. Is. So, well, we mentioned before we went to the last song, we were going to talk about uh, vintage guitars. Yeah, vintage guitar, uh, vintage guitars, or the magazine. Oh, the or? magazine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so I've been with them uh, as a contractor for quite a while. Um, but, you know, it, I started writing for that magazine several, 20, 2015, I guess, because uh, I had read a column. My buddy Gilby calls me and says, hey, man, I'm in vintage guitar. Go grab it. Check it out. So I did, and I'm like, wow, man, you know, I could have I done this. I you know, I always read things and make sure punctuation is correct, spelling. I right. always criticize other things i could do this better and i know these people so i reached out to the editor i'm like hey you know this is who i am this is what i do and i know a lot of people i should write for you and they started taking my work and my first column was on scott holiday from rival sons because he and i went to high school together so i called scott and i'm like you want to be in vintage guitar magazine (laughs) and so i started this relationship with him and i was you know before i know it i was i was writing columns on rick richards from the georgia satellites and craig ross from lenny kravitz and you know uh peter stroud from cheryl crow's band and all these people that have become my friends because you you work with one and then they're like hey do you know steve stevens let me introduce you to steve stevens and steve stevens is like do you know billy duffy from the cult you should be you know and 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 it just kind of spirals and so since then i've gotten away from the editorial and i'm more of the pr and advertising side to where they send me to these guitar shows uh all across the country to do mm-hmm. you know to to just kind of mingle with people and get people interested in the magazine and now i would go to these guitar shows like in philadelphia or dallas and say this is really cool but at the end of the guitar show everybody just goes back to their hotel and watches dateline or whatever you know at least mm-hmm. that's what i do because there's nothing else to do <laughs> so i pitched an idea to them that to the to the owner of the magazine that why don't you fly me and bruce halper my drummer friend out to all these guitar shows and i will curate and put on a show at a venue near the near the guitar shows and we will bring in some celebrity guitar players from well-known bands and we will take signups from guys from vendors and attendees of the guitar show to come play with us and so that's starting next it's starting in november in philadelphia we're flying out there and we're we're playing in a place called Soundbank. And we're going to be hosting these shows and bringing in people to play with us. So. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be, you know, it, th- people will say we want to play this song or that song. But for the most part, it's, you know, it's going to be, you know, 
no rehearsal needed kind of thing. Like, give me a one, four, five in whatever key, because a lot of these guys are blues guys, and they just want to show off their chops. So. And the whole show's essentially sponsored by the magazine, in a sense? Yeah, so we, we really sponsor the guitar shows that were happening anyway. Oh, okay. So now I'm like, what if we do this? And mm-hmm. I've got you know I've got relationships with Gibson and Gretsch, and so I've got Gibson and Gretsch and some of these other companies to start sponsoring the concerts mm-hmm. we're hosting now, mm-hmm. too. So That's very cool. Yeah, thank you. And so when is the one in Philly? November... Sixth, I believe. Okay, and then yeah. how often you, are these planned? So we do we do Philly in November. We've got Orange County in the Bay Area in January. I think Nashville in March. Chicago in May. I mean, it's it's one or two a month all across the country. Orlando is in April, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're 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 gonna be on a plane and going out and playing blues and rock and all kinds of stuff with with readers of the magazine and and fans it's gonna be yeah fun. it sounds like it's gonna be a lot yeah. of fun it'll be a great uh, opportunity to, for the magazine that's i was wondering these days with magazines and online access how the print version of the magazine is doing so that's funny you should ask because years ago i used to write for a motorcycle magazine and they would send me on my motorcycle that i rode in that video my 64 harley they'd send me a, all over the country on this motorcycle with a black and white film camera to document you know, and sleep in a tent and just, those were my business trips, sleeping in the dirt in a tent. <laughs> it was rad. And that magazine went from 12 issues a year to eight, to six, to nil. Vintage Guitar Magazine has been around for 35 years and counting, and we have over 110,000, you know, uh, subscribers or readers per month on the on the print copy. So it's it's doing fantastic. And we do a verbatim digital copy every month. So... You know, if you buy the print copy, two and a half weeks later, you can get it online, too. So there's it's about equal, but people are still buying the magazine and reading it. And it's it's amazing. And I don't know if it's because of our demographic, being the vintage guitar mm-hmm. market, you know, where our demographic is 40 plus. Mm-hmm. But it's it ain't hurting us at all. So cool. Yeah. That's exciting to hear. So we got just a few more minutes. What's uh, the number one thing you want to cover that we haven't covered? Well, we want everybody to come out to the gigs because it's going to be a big rock and roll homecoming, whether you're in Tucson or Tempe. But, uh, you know, my buddy Dan from, from Gas Giants, he hasn't been on a stage in how long, Dan? God, I don't know. He kind of retired from the business years ago, and he's coming out because he played on my record. He played lead guitar on my song Killing Time, uh, and he's coming out to play with us. Uh, Scott and Mark from Pistoleros, myself and Matt, and... We're expecting to see and hoping to see a lot of familiar faces and just kind of, you know, catch up with a lot of people from the old days. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you can expect. And I'm going to be out there, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. So I'll be seeing a bunch of people I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, it, it's know? it's going to be a lot of, a lot of, you know, reminiscing, I'm sure. Yeah. Is your wife coming up for the show? Oh, of course. Yeah, we're going to probably get a room at Tempe Mission Palms. We're not driving home after this one. No, you don't want <laughs> so. it. You want a basket and a little, you know, so it's going to be a big weekend. Uh, yeah. Those two shows, one after yeah. the other. Yeah. So now you mentioned you're almost out of CDs. Well, what about these, these shows? I mean, you're going to need some. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll do a reorder before the shows. Of then. course. Yeah. yeah. So they'll be available at the show. So you can order them online for 15 bucks, johnnyzapp.com, or you can pick up a copy at the show for $12. Uh, and, you know, you have your digital and your hard copy. And right now, is there a cover for the, for the venue? No. That was something that was very important to me. Just come to the show. The, cool. so, so I said, we don't want no cover charge. No cover charge. So cool. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations on the new release. Thank you so much. On everything that's going on. And thanks for making the trek up here to uh, sit down and have a chat. Of course. Thank you. I will see you at the Yucca Tap Room on the 17th. 
Yucca on the 17th, Saturday night, September 17th. Yes. See you there. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening tonight to the Auto D Show, where my guest has been Johnny Top. We will see you next week. Take care.